0: All right, church. Good morning. 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 All right, pretty good. We're always a little late to coming up here, but that's okay. There is no, we don't, we start whenever the Holy Spirit wants us to start, amen? Amen. 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 Um, God is so good, amen? He is so faithful. We were, we did a Zoom call with uh, a family member of ours on, was it Friday? It was Friday. And, you know, so many people are going through so many things. I know there are people here that are going through so many things. And the encouragement that we gave that just resonated with them is that God loves you. God loves you. Church, this morning, God loves you. No matter what you've done, no matter how hard it's been, no matter any of it, God loves you. And it's a message that you see over and over throughout the entire Bible his plan of redemption for mankind. Why? Because he loves us. Because he cares for us. Guys, if you stand with me this morning, we're going to do a call to worship. I, uh, we're going to mix it up a little bit today. How many know it's good to mix it up periodically, every once in a while? Okay, so normally we do on the count of three, everybody repeats it together. And I would even tell Grace, uh, the AV person, yet on this. But just put the scripture up. What I'm going to do is I'm going to read the first part of the scripture. And then you guys respond, for his mercy endures forever. Okay? Can we do that this morning? Change it up a little bit. Okay. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good.
1: For his mercy endures forever.
0: Oh, give thanks to the God of gods. For
1: his mercy endures forever.
0: Oh, give thanks to the Lord of lords.
1: For his mercy endures forever.
0: To him who alone does great wonders.
1: For his mercy endures forever.
0: Father, we just thank you, Lord, that your mercy does endure forever. Every day your word says your mercies are new. And so, Lord, today is a new day, and we receive those mercies today. For every situation, every circumstance, every challenge, Your mercies are new today. We thank you for it. In your precious name we pray. Amen and amen. Let's worship.
1: A stronghold is a place where a lie has been so firmly rooted and so long believed that it affects every thought and it affects your actions. And as God begins to do a work in us, he begins to pull down strongholds. And sometimes it doesn't happen right away. Sometimes it happens over generations. When it's a generational stronghold, it's like a fortress of lies, and he comes in, and he begins to pull it down, and it's messy business. It's a messy business, and do you know Jesus came, and he walked on this earth, and it was those in, it was the people in sin. It was the people in the middle of a mess that he drew unto him, and he drew them near to bring them freedom this morning I just felt like before we went into this next song that if you're battling you're in the right place if you're battling strongholds you've come to the right place Someone once said, I think Pastor Liz needs to go to therapy and not do therapy up on the stage. And I'll tell you what, I think they're wrong. I need the therapy of communion. I need the therapy of worship. I need the therapy of community. I need the therapy of the Word of God. This morning I woke up and over and over in my mind was, You're garbage. You're garbage. You're a fake. You're a fraud. You're garbage. That's garbage. That's a lie. I know it. I mean, come on, y'all. I know it. I know it. But when, the, when you wake up and those thoughts are on you, are on you, are on you, run to Jesus. Run to church. And if you enter into a church where they condemn you, where they put heavy yokes and heavy weights on you of perfection, like you're not good enough, you're not, you're not sanctified enough to come into their church, then leave that church, shake the dust off your feet, and go to a church where Jesus is here. And he says, come unto me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. This is the place to fight. This is the place to receive. This is, this is the therapy of pulling down strongholds through the power of his word the power of his love, the body and the blood of Jesus, worshiping at his throne. When you come into worship, you are never turned away. Our worship is precious to him. So this morning, I encourage you, you are loved. What Pastor Jason said this morning, God loves you. He loves you. I have, I have some addition to that. He likes you. That always hits me so much harder I know he loves me. He sent his son to die for me. But I always just figure, well, he had to do that because he's God and he's good and he has to love me, worm that I am. He likes he likes you. He wants you. He chose you knowing exactly who you are, what you've done and what you'll do and what you did. He loves us. He likes us this morning. And he's setting us free, church. He's setting us free this morning.
2: So thankful, Pastor Liz, for what you said. And I feel like this is a little bit of a continuation. In Hebrews four, Paul is talking about a rest that God had for Israel as He was leading them out of Egypt and into a promised land. And it says uh, in verse eight that he had this, this this rest for them. But it says, For if Joshua had given, given them rest, then he would not afterward have spoken of another day. For there remains, therefore, a rest for the people of God. And since we've chosen Jesus to follow him, he's grafted us into Israel. So there is a rest for us. For he who has entered his rest has himself also ceased from his works as God did from his verse 11 let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest lest anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience for if the word for the word of god is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart And there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Verse 14, seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the son of God, let us hold fast our confession, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Mercy and grace at his throne. He is merciful. The strongholds in our lives, the things that we struggle with, the circumstances that we face. We have a high priest who is faithful, who knows what it feels like. He endured all of it on the cross. And he himself went through so much, through everything that we could face, every temptation, he faced it head on. And he knows us, and he loves us, and he loves you. So let us rest today in his presence, in his love. And as we are about to take communion, Let this time be a time of surrender and humbling, humility, but also a time of just drawing on his blood and on his body. That was, his body was broken, his blood was spilled for us because he loved us, because he was merciful, because he wanted to be, because he likes you, because he loves you. All right. So we have two tables. Um, There is a plate in the center. If you're gluten-free, please take from that plate. Um, Just come down the center aisles and make your way back to your seats, and then we will partake together. I love uh, this taking communion because it is the Passover meal that the Israelites partook of for the first time as they were about to leave Egypt and be set free. This meal is a meal of freedom. Amen? I'm going to read today from Matthew 26 for the Lord's Supper here. And as they were eating, Jesus took bread, blessed it, and broke it, and gave it to the, to the disciples and said, Take and eat. This is my body. Father, we thank you for Jesus for his body that was broken for us. We do this in remembrance of you. Go ahead and eat. Then he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. For this is my blood of the new covenant which is shed for many for the remission of sins. But I say to you, I will not drink it drink of this fruit of the vine from now on until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. Go ahead and drink. Jesus, we thank you for your blood that was shed for us. And that covers us and that washes us clean forever. And we thank you so much. We're going to sing one more song, but, um, Something the Lord just spoke to me when I was down at my chair before I came up was, in a split second, he can change everything. In a split second, he can change everything. The lowest amount of his presence can change you completely. Imagine being in the fullness of his presence one day. So as we worship and sing and surrender our hearts to him, make your way up to the front, draw on him, and let him change you in a split second.
3: I haven't been here in a couple of weeks, so of course <laughs> I had to come up. Not really, but...
4: Liz is talking about therapy. I've seen... I'm 22. I'm not that old. I've seen five therapists in my life. And it's because when I was a sophomore in college, I tried to overdose and was in a mental hospital for five weeks. And this therapist I'm seeing now, is the first one out of all the five who prayed with me. Thank you. I <laughs> wanted you to know it got better. It got better. Um, a couple weeks ago was the first time I had self-harm thoughts in a long time. And I was just driving my car, and I was like, the thought came, and it was like, okay, what? And then instantly Jesus said, no, no. And I let it go. I said, okay, we're not doing that. We're not going down that road. And don't you know you need Jesus? You can't do anything without him. I'd be dead. Some other people probably have a similar, very similar testimony. You can't do anything without him. You shouldn't even pick out your socks without him. I mean, you need him more than you know. You need him.
1: What's happening here this morning, church, is that a stronghold of shame is being torn down. Right here. Amen. There is no shame in the shadow of the cross. Amen. Mm-hmm. And no one can shame people like the church. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Isn't it a sad thing? Yeah.
0: Mm. Not here. Oh, Not Amen. here.
1: I didn't know what Ellie was going to come up and share this morning. I didn't know... What you just heard, I just heard. But I said to her before she came up this morning, as I was, you know, standing up to the accuser in my house, the Lord showed me her face and he told me, Her tears are precious to me. And he spoke to me and said, Liz, don't stop up your tears. Your tears are precious to me. And he showed me Ellie. And how she will come up here and she'll sit crisscross applesauce in the presence of the Lord. And she'll just let Him surround her. And I encouraged her this morning, before she came up, that the Lord had showed me that this morning. And she is precious to Him. And I am precious to Him. And you're precious to Him. And you're precious to Him. And there is no shame. Something we've never said to our kids is you should be ashamed of yourself. Church, you should never be ashamed of yourself. That super high standard you hold yourself up to and you hold everyone else up to. You need to check yourself before you wreck yourself. Is it his standard, the standard of love, the standard of mercy and grace? Oh, Lord Jesus, help me. Help me. I just praise him this morning. God, I just give you praise for what you're doing here this morning. You are banishing shame from our midst. We turn our eyes to you, Jesus. It's all you, Jesus. Thank you. I worship you and praise you for it. Thank you.
0: Jesus. Guys, before we close out worship, I want to do two different things. First thing I want to do is read a few of these. It's called The Mirror of God's Word. It says it's for daily reflection. But This is what the Word says you are. Not what the world says you are. Not what the enemy says you are. But what the Word of God says you are. And all those who are struggling this morning, I just want you to receive this. All of us receive it. It says, I am God's child, for I am born again of the incorruptible seed of the word of God, which lives and abides forever. I am God's workmanship, created in Christ unto do good works. I am a new creation in Christ. I am forgiven of all my sins and washed in the blood. I am delivered from the power of darkness and translated into God's kingdom. I am redeemed from the curse of sin, sickness, and poverty. I am a spirit being, and I am alive to God. I am joint heirs with Christ. (laughs) I am more than a conqueror through Him who loves me. I am an overcomer by the blood of the Lamb and the word of my testimony. I am a partaker of His divine nature. I am an ambassador for Christ. I am part of a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a purchased people. Thank you, Lord. Father, we thank You for Your Word. There is more and more of those promises and declarations on who You say that we are. And Lord, we look to those as the truth, the ultimate truth in this world, filled with lies, deception. Father, we look to your word for truth. We thank you for it. Your precious name. I want to do one more thing. We haven't done this in a while. But I had the sense this morning as I was getting ready that the Lord wanted to do a healing of some kind today. We haven't prayed for the sick recently But there's actually three body parts that I had one and then uh, Ryan came up and said two others. So if you're struggling at all with neck, back pain, or neck pain, or if you've got some type of nasal issue or nose issue, I just want you to raise your hand this morning. I'm not going to call you up front. It could be like a congestion type thing or a nose type, whatever it is, something with the nose and something with the back and the neck. As I said before, we are redeemed from the curse of sin and sickness and poverty. The Bible says that he himself bore our sins. He himself bore our sins in his own body on that tree that we having died to sins. He, because of him, that we might live for righteousness by whose stripes we are healed. The The Bible says in Romans that if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies. So, Father, we just stretch our hands out to those. Those who have their hands up, just receive from heaven today. Father, we thank you for your healing touch, for your healing power. Father, we pray for backs to come into alignment, for herniated discs to be miraculously made whole. Father, we pray for pinched nerves to be released today, even as I pray in Jesus' name. Father, we pray for necks, Father God, those necks that need to be aligned, we call them aligned now in Jesus' name. Father, we just thank you for perfect alignment, perfect curvature, perfect operation of the spinal cord and all the things that it's meant to do in our body. The river of life, Father, we just claim, Father God, right now for healing of our bodies. And Lord, if there's any type of congestion or a nasal issue or something wrong with our nose or our, uh, the deviated septum, Father, we just say right now in Jesus' name, we call it healed and whole. Healed and whole in Jesus' name. Father, I pray for breathing to be able to just move forward with increased strength, even now as we pray, Lord. Breathing becoming better, breathing becoming better, congestion moving away in Jesus' name. Father, we thank you that by your stripes we are healed. By your stripes we are healed. Your word says that whatever we bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever we loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, I say to you that 2 if two of you agree on anything concerning anything that they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am in the midst of them. Lord, you are in the midst. We thank you for your healing touch and power. We thank you for testimonies of strongholds being broken. We thank you for testimonies of walls coming crashing down. We thank you for testimonies of backs healed and necks healed and breathing restored. We thank you for it in Jesus' name.
1: Doug Reckett, is that you back there? The Lord showed me your face this morning too. When you're the first one in the generations to stand up and to begin to challenge a stronghold, it's hard. It's hard. But boy, does he come up alongside you. Does he come up alongside you and give you the grace? And when he says, my grace is sufficient, the hardest days are the ones when you forget that when you forget to lean in, mm. when you forget to rest in him. Mm. Thank you, God. But he showed me your face this morning. Mm. We're going to move into a time of greeting. If this is your first time with us, welcome. <laughs> Not every service is like this. We don't always have a theme. This was the Lord's theme this morning, was Amen. shattering shame Amen. in the shadow of the cross. Amen. Wow, that's a good title. That's
0: a good title. That was like a good message.
1: It's <laughs> a good title. Ah. Uh, we're happy to worship with you this morning. We're happy that you've come to visit with us. On the, in the back of the seats, there's a connection card. That's a place for prayer requests and praise reports. But if it's your first time, you can put as much or as little information on that card as you'd like. But we just always like to know that, we, that you were here and that it was your first time. We usually pop an email out that says, hey, thanks for coming. Um, links you to our, our website and all of those things. So if this is your first time, go ahead and fill that out. Um, tithes and offerings and those connection cards come up during the break um, into these uh, offering buckets. And then also if you're an ECF kid, you know Kid Corner is here for you. If you're a guest, we have special guest bags uh, with some fun things for your kids um, to help them enjoy service uh, and some notes and stuff back there. So uh, let's just greet one another and then we'll come back together in a couple minutes.
3: Good morning. I'm going to go over the announcements. Uh, Worship and prayer night will be September 1st at 6.30 to 8. Um, We're still collecting for Operation Christmas Child. We're collecting school supplies, notebooks, pens, pencils, um, or you can make a donation to that as well. Um, But that just is such a great gift for all these kids. Um, So pray about considering to donate to that and breakthrough weekend is the weekend of September 24th and 25th it is $20 per person or $30 for um, a family and I was just talking to Sid about it and it's gonna be a really great weekend of <laughs> breakthrough and just Holy Spirit moving so hope to see you there
0: and we are looking forward to that weekend for sure um, Lord's on the move, guys, Uh, and the word we just keep getting is moving forward, moving forward, moving forward, and sometimes when you're moving forward, you're breaking through things that have been there for a long period of time. Yeah, just even at the break, talking to somebody who just moving forward, allowing Jesus to be Lord of every area of our life, brings such peace and joy that truly is unexplainable. Nothing in this world can satisfy what Jesus can satisfy in our lives. Amen? What a wonderful testimony. And we'll we'll have her share it at some point in the future here, too. Uh, For offering this morning, I've got a a scripture out of Psalms, chapter 4, and I believe it's verse 5. I just want to pray over the offering, then we'll get into the message this morning. It says, offer the sacrifices of righteousness and put your trust in the Lord. Sometimes things feel like a sacrifice, but what the Lord is saying here to us, what we've been talking about every time we talk about finances or tithing or offering, is put our trust in the Lord, in Him, fully in Him, in every area of our life, finances, relationships, no matter what it is, trust Him fully. Because a lot of times He's working and we don't know that He's working. And we don't see that He's working, but we sing that song, even though I don't feel it, He's working. Even when I don't see it, He's working. And I can tell you that he is working and he is moving on our behalf. So let's pray this morning over our tithes and offerings and over the message. Heavenly Father, I just thank you, Lord, for your goodness and faithfulness. Father, we do. We trust in you. We fully trust in you for all things in our life, for our relationships, for our finances. Father, we worship you today. We give you honor and glory and thanks, Father, for all the things that you do. Thank you for every bill being paid every need being met, both here at the church and every family here, Father. And Lord, I also ask so that you would just anoint this message today, that it be your words, Father God, your words, not mine, but yours. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. Okay, open your Bible to Luke 17. And so this is week two of a series that we're doing on offenses and I prefaced last week, if you, didn't, uh, if you didn't hear last week's message, you can go online, uh, go to Facebook Live, you can find it, or just go to our website, you can pull up the message from last week. But I opened the message last week as there are spiritual strongholds that we need to bring down, both as a church and as individuals in our lives, and there were strongholds of fear and strongholds of pride and strongholds of, uh, of entitlement, and one of the ones was a stronghold of offense, and I really feel like the Lord wanted me to do a series on offenses and what they are, how not to offer them, how not to take them. What happens if you did? How do we reconcile? How do we sit under authority who maybe have offended us in some way, shape, or form? And how not to retaliate? And so that's what I want to be talking about over the next couple weeks. Uh, last week I started with the title of the message I was trying to get fancy. was called The Scandalon. And everyone's like, what's a scandalon? They thought I spelled it wrong because scandal was out of that, but it was the wrong thing. But what scandalon is, and I just want to refresh this from last week. Scandalon is the word, the Greek word that the Bible uses when it's talking about offenses. When the Bible is talking about offenses, it uses the word scandalon. It's a Greek word. And here's what it means it's the part, or the, what would they call the trigger, of the hunter's trap that holds the bait. And when we take the bait of offense, we trigger the enemy's trap, and whether knowingly or unknowingly, become captive to his will. Not God's will, but the enemy's will. And so last week, I spent a lot of time talking about what an offense is. We kind of reflected on our hearts if we've had any offenses. I know we all have, because the Bible says it's impossible that no offenses should come. It's impossible. Which means if you're living and you're breathing and you're walking and you're working, whether you're a child, an adult, or or mature, whatever it is, whatever your stage in life is, the Bible says offenses will come. So if we know that they're going to come, we have to make some kind of choice and understanding of what we're going to do when they do come. And we talked about that last week. And the importance of this is not just because if you get offended, but we talked about in Matthew 24 that offense leads to betrayal. Betrayal leads to hate. Hate leads to deception. Deception to lawlessness. And lawlessness to a love that grows cold. So the enemy, which they, you know, John Bevere, I give him credit for some of this, does, has a book called The Bait of Satan... The enemy has this bait of offense that he wants us to take because he knows that once we take and we chew on that bait and then we chew on another bait of offense, that, that kind of this, this chain reaction begins to happen and we need to break that down. So what I want to do this morning, what I want to do this morning, the, the title of my message is Don't Offer the Bait. Don't offer the bait. And I want to focus this week on what does that look like from a biblical standpoint? What does that mean? And then next week you'll have to come back, because next week I'm going to talk about don't take the bait. So you're just like, oh, man, I wish he was doing that one this week. Yeah, I understand, but this is what the, I feel like the Lord was saying to me this week, is to have a message called don't offer the bait. So I want to read Luke 17 to us again, as this is the kind of the key scripture of our, of our message series here. Luke 17, starting in verse 1. Then he said to the disciples, it is impossible that no offenses should come, but woe to him whom they do come. Woe to him through whom they do come. And we're going to talk about that because the Bible is very serious about offenses. And so, Pastor Jason, are you saying that I have to change my personality? Are you saying that I just have to be, you know, let everybody walk all over me all the time? No, 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 no. We're going to get it. That is not what I'm saying. But what the Bible is saying is saying it's impossible that no offenses should come, but woe to him through whom they do come. So how many are interested in living a life in which we don't, are the one who causes the offense or at least offers the offense? Like, like, hey, I'm in this category. Like, I would like to know what the Bible says about how to do this because if it's woe to the person who does it, I'm like, eh, I'd like to know a little bit about how maybe not to do that for a little bit. Yeah? Might be something good we can go learn. So that's what I want to talk about. Verse 2 says this, as if that last verse wasn't enough of a warning. It would be better for him or her if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea than that he should offend one of these little ones. Ooh, like millstone around the neck, toss it up into the sea, that basically means you're going down. The, let me help you with the analogy, right? That's not good. That does, you're not in a very good position in that case. Verse 3 says, take heed to yourselves, for if your brother sins against you, rebuke him, and if he repents, forgive him. We're going to talk about that in future weeks, about forgiveness and the reconciliation process. What does that look like? What does the Bible say about it? We won't touch too much on that today, just a little bit. And if he sins against you seven times in a day, and seven times in a day returns to you saying, I repent, you shall forgive him. So yes, I get it, woe to the person who the, through the offense comes, but it also says that we need to be a people that forgive. And we talked about the Bible states over and over about a forgiving seven times 70, which I know if you do the math, that's 490, but basically what the Bible is saying is it's basically Infinity. That was a reference that Jesus was using that means always, forever, 490 times basically means all the time. We have to constantly be walking in forgiveness. So this morning we want to talk about don't offer the bait. Now let me just say something, I want to preface it. You cannot personally stop someone from taking offense. Okay, so just know that. You... That is that person's choice to take what you say or what you do and and take it as an offense. And we're going to talk next week about how to position our hearts and ourselves on how not to take the bait when it does come. But this morning I want to talk about, I want you to know first and foremost, it's not up to you whether or not they take the bait. All you can, can, can do is control yourself. Right? You are responsible for your own actions, not necessarily the actions, okay, well, if you're a parent, okay, I get it. What I'm saying is you cannot stop someone from taking that offense. It says this in 2 Timothy 2, verse 23. But avoid foolish and ignorant disputes, knowing that they will generate strife. Disputes means back and forth. Notice the language there. It's something that's going back And fourth, and a servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but be gentle to all, able to teach, patient, in humility, correcting those who are in opposition. We're going to get to that in a little bit. In humility, correcting those, not in arrogance, correcting those, not in, well, I know the right thing here, so let me tell you how you should be acting. Let me tell, no, it says in humility. We're going to talk about clothing ourselves in humility again in a future week. Yes, is there anything you're going to talk about today, Pastor Jason? Yes, there is. In humility concerning those who are in opposition, if God perhaps will grant them repentance, so that they may know the truth, and that they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil. It is so important that we get resolution and forgiveness and truth in our relationships, because what happens when we don't, is the escape the snare of the devil? Ah! Having been taken captive by him to do his will. Again, here it is again, to do his will. So Proverbs 15.1 says this. A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. The tongue of the wise uses knowledge rightly, but the mouth of the fool pours forth foolishness. So you say, okay, Pastor James. what am I supposed to do? How am I supposed to talk with people, interact with people, make decisions? And here's what I'm going to reference out of Ephesians 4. Turn with me here. We're going to spend the rest of our time here. Ephesians 4, starting in verse 15. Now here's what's interesting about Ephesians 4. The, the, this chapter where this verse sits, you know how in, in our Bible there's headings? Right, you guys see like headings in your Bible where it says basically what the chapter is about. Now, when this, when this was written by Paul, he didn't put headings up there. But this is our interpretation of what that heading looked like. And the heading is unity in the body of Christ. Ooh. Unity in the body of Christ. So everything in this passage of scripture is talking about unity in the body of Christ. And so verse 15 says this. But speaking the truth in love... Speaking the truth in love. And love there, the word love is agape love. There's, there's like a brothership, uh, like a fellowship. You know, the city of Philadelphia is a city of brotherly love. There's a brotherly love, a fellowship type love. There's a, like a romantic love, like between a husband and a wife. And the Bible also talks about agape love. This is agape love. This is unconditional love. This is the God type of love, totally unconditional. And the rest of the verse is, so they may grow up in all things into him who is the head Christ. So the truth in love. How do we operate speaking the truth in love in our lives so we are not the ones causing the offense? So what does this really look like? The first part is the truth. The truth. Let's start right here. The Bible says in John chapter 8, verse 31... Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed in him, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. So the first part of our operation in the world to woe to us so that we should not bring offenses, we need to be operating in truth. Not rumor. Not, if you find yourself saying the words, I heard that, why even finish the sentence? Honestly, why even finish the sentence because you cannot prove that that is truth. You have no way to finish that sentence saying, "You know what? Yes, I saw that, I experienced that." If you say, "I heard that," you are not seeing something as it is in truth. So what do we do? The Bible says in Philippians 4:18, Let's meditate on this. Finally, brethren, verse eight, Philippians four verse eight, let's meditate on this. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there's any virtue, if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. The things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. Whoa. Really, there is only one piece of truth that we can live by. There is only one piece of truth we can live by. It's the word of God. It's encouraging. It's uplifting. It's inspiring. It's correcting. And I believe so many offenses come, or I should say are offered, because something is done or said that's not in truth. And so what does it mean to speak in truth, do I just, you know, do I have to go around and only can say Bible verses ever? Well, that would be good. But I'm not sure. You know, what's for dinner? Okay, let me respond to that question. I'm going to find, you know, some type of, di- <laughs> what would you say? Meat. Meat. Yeah, there you go. We're going to have some, the land of milk and honey. What's for dinner? We're going to have some milk and honey for dinner. No, you don't have to walk around constantly quoting scripture in every word that you say. But there is something the Bible talks about building each other up in psalms and spiritual songs. And talking to each other with the truth, with the biblical truth. And I think if we would watch some of the words that we would say, sometimes we have thoughts in our mind and we begin to say them right away. If we would process them through the filter, what does the word of God say? There are many things that we can see differently in our life. So the truth... How can we walk in the truth? I would just, my, my personal piece of advice would be to don't use the words always and never. Don't use the word always and never in conversations because that immediately puts someone on the defensive. It immediately puts somebody up and says, whoa, 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 whoa. That's not true. I don't always act that way. I don't... You said that I never do that. Don't you remember, babe, that one time that I said that I love you? Like, like, it was a long time. No, you don't. You can't use the always and never because it's not truth. We have to think and act in truth. And the only way we can do this is spending time in the word that is truth. Amen? So here's what I would not want to spend too much time on that. I want to talk about the second part of that scripture, the second half. is speaking the truth in love. And as I was reading this, I was praying about it, I felt like the Lord gave me three different aspects of what that means and what that looks like. And if we are speaking the truth and we use these three aspects, we are doing, you know, from, from our perspective on, on the help of God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit, thank you, Lord, to not be the one who is offering the bait of Satan Offering that offense. So the first one is, this in love means a loving intention. The truth. Speaking the truth in love with a loving intention. Bible says in John 15 verse 12, says this, This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that you will lay down one's life for his friends. You are my friends if you do whatever I command. The Bible is commanding us here, speaking to us to have a loving intention with the truthful words that we are sharing, with the truthful actions that we are coming forth when we're interacting with. How many of you know we have to interact with people in this world? You know, offenses don't typically come from the dog. I mean, we've got puppies, we've got two puppies. I've yet to be offended, actually, by the dogs. Annoyed? Yes. But have I taken the bait of offense from the dog? No, it's a dog. Right? Like, I could, get, oh, I could feel like I could get offended at my car, you know, sometimes, right? When the, when the low tire pressure goes on. I think mean, like I've said this before. How many times does the low tire pressure on? Every car I ever own, the low tire pressure goes on. But I'm not actually offended at the car. We get offended when it comes to people and dealing with relationships because we're in relationships with others. So, what is love? What is this loving intention? The definition we've had of love, and we've given this before, I believe it came from Doug Jones, uh, who's a Rhema, kind of, uh, uh, I think he oversees all the districts in North America. But it says, the doing the best possible thing for the person in the moment. A loving intention is doing the best possible thing for the person in the moment. And how many of you know as parents, sometimes there is one thing that's the best possible thing for for you to do for your child in a loving correction, and then there's times where something else is the right thing to go do. And it depends on the situation. It depends on the circumstance. In our marriage, the same thing. We must understand that there are different love is doing the best possible thing for the person in the moment. So speaking the truth in love, helping us to not cause offense, what is the best possible thing for that other person in the moment? What is the best po- is it to is it you know what? They're believing a lie? Mhm. I can see they're believing a lie. I am going to come blasting all over them with scriptures. I'm going to start quoting things. We're going to pull down strongholds right in the middle of the workplace. That may not be what, it may be what God wants you to go do. But we have to be led by the Holy Spirit. We have to say, Lord, what is it that you want me to go do? What is the best possible thing for this person in the moment? If that was your question to yourself before every action and before every time you spoke, your life would be completely different. Because what it is, it takes the focus off of yourself Notice, it's what's the best possible thing for that person in the moment, not what's the best possible thing for me in the moment. That's hard to do. That is hard to do, because a lot of times we're selfish. Hey, raising the hand. But if we change our filter, this in love means doing the best possible thing for the person in the moment, we begin to change whether or not we offer the potential for that person to take an offense. It's interesting that this whole, this scripture here in John 15 is in the context of God's goodness. It's in the context of God's goodness. How many of you guys know the golden rule? Do unto others as you would have them do unto you? You know that's in the Bible? That's in Matthew 7? It's in the Bible, yes. It's a proverb, it's something that Jesus spoke about because if we run our lives through this filter of doing to others, as we would have them do unto us, it would begin to change. What does it look like when we act and we speak to somebody with a loving intention? Let me tell you this, love is never passive-aggressive. Purposely avoiding someone, saying things that are hinting at something that's bothering you, Love is not passive-aggressive. That's not the best possible thing for the other person in the moment. The other thing to walk in a loving intention is to check our motive. Check our motive before acting. Because as we all know, that hurt people hurt people. And so we need to be very careful to check our motive prior to speaking or deciding. Love is truly wanting the best for the other person. Checking our motive also says, do we, are we saying something or doing something to prove that we're right? Because I mean, sometimes it feels like that's a pretty valid thing to go do, is to prove that we're right. But over and over and over, the Bible says that God is our defender. And when Jesus was put on trial, and he had every opportunity to defend himself, what happened? He allowed... God to be his defender. He didn't speak back. So speaking the truth in love, the first one was with a loving intention. The second one is with a loving delivery. A loving delivery. I'm not talking about pizza delivery here. It says this in 1 Corinthians 4. It says, love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself, is not puffed up. Does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth, back to the truth. Bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. A loving delivery. What does that look like? Think about like your approach to a landing. Yeah? Sometimes we have to put this we have to pause for a second. And check the delivery of how we are presenting the truth in love. How we are making a decision to someone. We have to say and understand that, look, I'm not telling you you need to change your personality. I'm not saying, hey, you know what, I'm a type one personality. And when I deliver a message, I'm going to deliver it strong. And I'm not saying you have to change any of that. What I'm saying is, is that you need to just take a moment and think about the delivery in which you're delivering this message. Truth in love, a loving delivery. We need to train ourselves to take a moment before we speak. The Bible says, be angry, but do not sin. So highly suggested tip here is that when we are angry, we need to take a moment before speaking, before deciding, before approaching the other person. Again, I don't think we need to change our personalities, but I think we have to have an awareness of when we're making decisions, when we're walking and speaking truth, that we do it with a loving delivery. Because I've seen so many times where you, someone has truth that they need spoken, and when they come across a certain way, the person completely shuts down, doesn't receive it, isn't open to it anymore. And so I would ask us as a church, as people who have to deal with people, is to watch a loving delivery. The third one, this, of speaking the truth in love and acting in love is through a loving lens. A loving intention, a loving delivery, a loving lens. The only way possible to do this is to see things through the lens of Jesus. Look, guys, we can't do this on our own. It is impossible to be able to, it's impossible that offenses will come, which means we will bring offenses sometimes or at least offer the bait that the other person is gonna to choose to accept that offense or not. But we have to have a loving lens to see things as Jesus saw them. He came to forgive. His lens, his eyes were eyes of compassion. His lens were eyes of love. It says in 2 Corinthians 5 this, for the love of Christ compels us. The love of Christ compels us because we judge thus, that if one died for all, then all died. If he died for all, that those who live should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. A lens of love. Walking as Jesus. So you say, Pastor Jason, how on earth do I do that? You have to spend time with him. You have to spend time in his word. You have to spend time with him. You have to be praying with him. You have to be walking with him. Because you can't learn from somebody who you're not with. You can't learn from someone who you're not with, whom you have a relationship with, who you can see and operate with. And have a relationship with. The word disciple in the Bible means apprentice. It means apprentice. How many of you have been an apprentice or know what it is? It's someone who works alongside somebody else, learning their way. And so we have to walk through our lives with a loving lens. We have to operate as Jesus operates. How do you do that? We have to spend time in the Word. What did Jesus do? Jesus thought the best of the person. You realize that? Jesus always thought the best of the person. He always thought actually of them more than they thought of themselves. He saw the potential in them. We cannot walk and talk and act like Jesus if we never spend any time with him. How else can we walk with a loving lens? We gotta pray. (laughs) We have to pray. We have to ask for the Holy Spirit to help us. You know, when when they were on trial, the disciples were on trial, they asked the Holy Spirit to be their voice, to be be the, the words that are coming from their mouth the Holy Spirit. I would suggest that we be quick to pray before responding. Prayerfully put decisions in front of the Lord. We say, well, what? If they just, you know, one of the things that I always try to do, I think Liz has talked about this before, could we assume for a minute before responding? Like a lot of times offenses come when we are reacting to somebody else who hurt us and we respond back. I think many times if we could put something through the lens that says, What if something really bad just happened to that person? That's getting into next week about how not to take an offense. But what if something, they just went through really something terrible? What if they just found out their mom or their dad had cancer? We need to be careful. Because many times we don't know the full truth of the situation. We know pieces of the truth. Well, I heard this, I picked up this, but we don't know the entire truth of the situation. But the Holy Spirit does. And we have to rely on the Holy Spirit to be able to do that. One thing I would tell you is you can't walk around worrying about offending people. Jake, if you want to come back up, I'm going to close here in just a minute. We can't walk around being worried about offending people. Because if you do that, it actually only leads to people being offended. It's like the exact opposite happens. Honestly. And when we walk around like, well... I just need to tell you this, and I don't want you to be offended at this, but let me just, like when we walk around worrying about being offended, it like opens the door for the other person to be offended. So we can't, I don't want you to walk away from here this morning saying, oh my gosh, I'm so concerned. I'm worried about like my personality and how I act in certain situations, and I'm worried about offending people all the time. No, but what I do want you guys to do is to understand that we have to walk as Jesus walked. And Jesus actually, it says that Jesus, while he offended people, they took the bait because he was speaking the truth. But at the end of the day, he was speaking the truth in love. He was speaking the truth with a loving intention. He was speaking the truth with a loving lens. And he was always speaking the truth with a loving delivery. I want to close this morning with this. Look, I know this is a work in process for all of us. We never fully get there until we get to heaven. So no one should walk out of here feeling condemned or bad. Say, Man, I did this or I did that. We're going to pray about that. We're going to leave that in the past. We're going to ask for forgiveness on how we have acted in the past. And we're going to move forward today in a new way. With a new lens. With the lens of Jesus. In walking in love in all that we do. So bow your heads this morning. I know every, I'm not going to ask anybody to raise their hand if they've ever (laughs) offered the bait of offense to anybody because we'd all just raise our hands. So I'm not going to do that this morning. But as I begin to pray, I want you to think about what we talked about this morning. Ask the Lord to help you to walk. To make decisions, to speak in a new way. Not that we ever change the truth, because the truth of the word cannot change. But that we would be those we'd be known as a people who speak truth in love. That we would walk through this life with loving intentions, loving delivery and seeing all of humanity through the lens of Jesus. So, Father, I ask for that this morning. I ask this morning that you would lead us and guide us as you always do, as your word promises. Your word says that woe to someone who would offer an offense. And so, Father, we ask, first and foremost, that you forgive us. (laughs) In humility, Lord, forgive us for all of the the offers of offense that we have put out there in the past. Whether it be to our spouse or to our children, to our siblings, to our neighbors, to our boss, to our coworkers. Father, forgive us for that. Father, I also ask if there's someone on our heart this morning that you have placed there, that we would go to that person and ask them for forgiveness. And Lord, that that asking of forgiveness will be a true statement from our hearts in love. And Father, that from this day forth that we would walk in an attitude of repentance over this issue. That we would walk with a repentant heart, which means not just asking for forgiveness, not just saying we're sorry, but truly changing and turning to you and turning away from that thing in which we did before. So, Father, I just ask that we would be able to walk with a repentant heart, through the next weeks and days and months and years for the rest of our life. And Father, we live in a time where offenses are easily received. So Father, I just ask that we would continue to walk, though in boldness, in truth, in your word, in your scripture, that everything that would come, we would bounce it off of your word. That we know that the only ultimate truth in this world is your word. And Father, we thank you for it. In your precious name we pray. Amen and amen. I've got some prayer teams that are going to be coming up here. If you need prayer for anything, maybe you've never made Jesus your Lord and Savior. Maybe you've made him Savior, but you just haven't made him Lord over every area of your life. I would encourage you to come up here and pray with these teams that are up here. I'll be up here as well. Uh, If you need prayer of agreement for anything, for relationship, for maybe a doctor's appointment coming up. Whatever it might be, I encourage you to also come up here and pray with these people. I want to close with this. So just receive this benediction this morning. Father, we just thank you, Lord, for who you are. Your word says, Finally, brethren, Farewell. Become complete. Be of good comfort. Be of one mind. Live in peace. And the God of love and peace will be with you. Greet one another with a holy kiss. All the saints greet you. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with all of you. Amen. And amen. You guys are dismissed. Come back next week for learning a little bit how not to take the offense. Amen? Amen. Have a great week.